Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the French Catholic Cafe and we are officially on pilgrimage. The Order of Malta has landed in Lourdes, France. And so, hence we have the music, uh, we have the uh, the croissant, we have the cafe au lait, and I have two wonderful guest co-hosts stepping in. Uh, we have Fra Tom Mulligan. Good afternoon, yes, and Fra Tom, Jeff. we know your voice. You've yes. been with us many times in Lourdes, and how beautiful it has been to have you here. Oh, it's great to be back. Yeah, it's an awesome place to be. And then we have Robert Hutton, who I'm also, back. right, he <laughs> is a, a knight of Malta in obedience. Well, this is nice to know. Uh, also, you're the chancellor, right, of the Federal Association of the Order of Malta. And so, guys, we've we've done this several times, and uh, this is sort of like our kickoff show. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna have shows about this pilgrimage literally that will kind of last for a how many of years months. have we done this in I, I believe this is our seventh year right yeah and this uh you know and you might think that's a that we'll start there yeah why, <laughs> yeah. why do we do this seven years because a lot of people think that uh, like for a time they'll think well you've done this once before like you know I, I, there have I, been some really fantastic shows here though oh i know i know there have but like if we've already done pilgrimage if we've already oh, gone true. there why would we why would we do it again it's kind of like uh you don't really hear about the the, uh, the the guys that climb Mount Everest twice, right? You hear about them mm. <laughs> once. But right? look at us. Look, we keep <laughs> coming we back. Yeah, and, so uh, I guess we should start by talking about why it is we come back. Maybe not specifically to Lourdes so much as why do we come on pilgrimage and why do we continue to do that? Robert, what are your well, thoughts? You know, Deacon Jeff, the way I think about it, there are a lot of things that are special that we do every year because they're special. Think about, for example, Christmas traditions where every year we put up a Christmas tree. Why do we do that? Right. Every year we put on a nativity scene or every year, you know, there are different things. We do Thanksgiving, we always cook a turkey. Well, it's because we, we live cyclical lives and I think we need to be reminded of certain key things. Yeah. And the beauty of Lourdes is something every year, you know, after I've spent a whole year and kind of you get the pressure of work or whatnot, you get to come back and do experience all these incredible people, people that are sick, people that are ill, people that are suffering, right. coming to ask Our Lady for grace, ask Our Lord for grace. And to me, it's just one of the most uplifting things. I don't know, Fra Tom, you know. But well, this is my 14th pilgrimage wow. of the order. And I've heard it said by several, I mean, we were lining up at the airport and learning who our teams were, beginning with uh, opening prayers, that they find that this is their energizer. And it's amazing as to how the members of the order find themselves. We all come on pilgrimage for so many different reasons, but a pilgrimage itself is all part of life's journey. And well, this, but I want to ask about that energizer comment, right? Yes. Because you think about it, because it's a lot of work. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff going on, and you might even think that, because you know how you've gone on vacation, I'm sure, Fra Tom, um, and you end up being more tired at the end of the vacation? Yes. <laughs> right? because, of, yes. because of all the effort mm-hmm. and work. And, and there is a lot that goes on in, in putting on a pilgrimage and, and, and even being part of a pilgrimage, and yet somehow there's energy that comes to you. It carries me, and plus uh, um, we can also kind of re- review the pilgrimage on various media. You can join uh, the the order's 
um, through our association. We can mm-hmm. look and see all of the different things that we have done. And I do that during the course of the year as my reminder, and that's my, my re-energizer because I can't wait quite until the next time we come back. Right. Um, I think that what is energizing is the giving that we do, but the giving doesn't come without receiving something in return from the Malads and their companions who we are taking care of. That, to me, is... Um, well, how would we best put that? It's um, Here we are on the pilgrimage, but at the same time, our efforts towards them are what really turn around and become our reward, and that's why we keep coming back. I know, and that's amazing. And Ken, a lot of people don't realize that when someone will talk to somebody and say, oh, you're a, you're a very gifted uh, preacher, or what a, what a wonderful minister, and the fact that you would like pour out God's blessings upon people. And the reality is a lot of people don't understand that, that the ministers actually get ministered to in the process. Exactly. And it's meant to be that way. It's, it's a two-way street, isn't it? That's right. The graces come flowing right back at you. It's, it's just beautiful to see. You know, and you also see, Father Tom, like we had, coming to this pilgrimage, you know, you get so, with work and stuff, you get frustrated and tired. And a lot of times we think we're so involved in our church and we do a lot of good things. And, you know, we think about our own problems we have. And you come to the pilgrimage, though, and then you see people that are either struggling with some particular illness that's just a real serious illness. And you see them giving thanks to God, or you see the gratitude they have in their hearts, or the way they've accepted crosses God's given them. It's always really humbling to me to see, you know, I wish I had the grace to be able, just to see how the Lord is giving them peace and joy, even amidst some tremendous suffering. It also makes us, I think, a lot more um, reflective of, you know, we need to be more grateful to God for what we have been Mm -hmm. given. And realize, you know, the Lord never gives us a cross. You know, everyone has crosses. Right. Um, but, and this is a time to bring your cross to the Lord and to help kind of have, I think, sort of a sense of reconciliation with that cross. Lord, I've got this suffering. All these people are coming together and saying, you know, if, if this cup could pass, let it pass. But right. if not, then give us the grace. Your will be done. Yeah. And, and that's amazing because, you know, that's what's special about Lourdes because it is a, a, a pilgrim site for so many that, that come mm-hmm. for healing. But it's a process, isn't it? Because how many times even our own members who come on the pilgrimage Mm -hmm. um, have no idea of what they're getting into until they get here and start to see things as they unravel. But the Malads who come along with us, and certainly their companions as well, we find that they are sometimes very apprehensive as to what's this all about. And um, sometimes our weather can be really terrible, but we've landed into some beautiful weather yeah you know i i i've been this is number seven for me and i think pretty much every time there's been like rain and gray there are all kinds of weather but this one was like spring weather when we showed up how beautiful it hasn't rained once so far yeah so yeah knock on wood or whatever we do but let's uh, thanks be to god Uh, maybe it's wrong (laughs) to have superstitions here in lourdes france but uh it's it's such an amazing place because it is uh in Robert, you were talking about suffering and, and laying your suffering at the foot of the cross, but really laying it in the in the the, the welcoming mantle of Mary, right? right? Uh, all of our mother, right? Of mother of the church, but mother mother of all that Christ gave uh, her to us, and so to be able to have a mother that would comfort us, and this is why this is a naturally beautiful place to come when you are suffering. Well, if you think about it, Bernadette, who Our Lady appeared to, was suffering. She was a small child with cholera. Uh, she had tuberculosis. She had all this 
illness was very poor. And so Our Lady appeared, the Mother of Jesus appeared to a small child that was suffering, a 13 Illiterate, year. illiterate as well, exactly. you know, and doing chores and, and, and going to the dump, basically, to uh, to collect and, firewood or, or whatever, yeah. right? And, right? And she did, and she said to Bernadette, you know, I can't promise you happiness in this life, but I can in the next. And those are and some profound words. Th- they are, and even though I'm absolutely convinced that our, uh, the Blessed Mother, through, uh, through her intercession, our Lord has... Um, healed many people here but i think also you know there's a key mystery of the christian faith that you had the cross is part of the christian mystery take up your cross and follow me jesus mm. says and so what lords does for me is help me give that strength and i think what we do as an order on pilgrimage is kind of like si- uh Simon, uh, uh, oh, Deacon Jeff, you're going to have to correct me, who helped Jesus carry the cross. Was it? Simon of Cyrene. Simon of Cyrene. Yeah. You know, we're kind of helping those who have a cross, helping them carry it for a bit to go to, through the Blessed Mother, mm. to Jesus. Yeah, and that's Simon, the, that's a, what, a, what a great yeah. image, too, because I, I remember, and I, maybe I didn't see it so profoundly until right. um, Mel Gibson's film, The Passion of the Christ, uh, where there's a scene where at the end, after Simon of Cyrene carries that cross, and he looks into the eyes of Jesus when they're up in Golgotha, they're up at the, the place of the skull, right. and, and, and Simon's chore has been, his task is completed. And he has this look where he looks at the Lord, and Jesus looks back at him through his bloody, beaten, swollen right. eyes. And there's this mm-hmm. connection that's made. And again, Fratam, it goes back to that, that grace that we receive in participating uh, in, in this act of pilgrimage, the things that we that's, receive, even though we're supposedly giving. That's right. The um, stories and the healings that we experience while we are here energize people when we go mm. home. They want to hear more. And I could probably talk to the point of like one after another when people say, well, what happens there? And I said, well, I'll tell you what happens. And we go through one story after another. I can think of things that... Uh, For example, we had a uh, young girl who was with us, and she had, I think it was one of the uh, crippling type of diseases, Mm -hmm. and she was confined to a wheelchair, and her mother said, now after we are here, we have to go to another Marian shrine, and you have to pray for my daughter that she's healed. And this young girl, as soon as her mother would get out of earshot, would say, I just pray that my mother will accept my illness. Mm. By the time they went home, her mother accepted her illness and another miracle right i mean cuz you look absolutely. at that and you, and you realize that that um, i don't know that, that our ultimate goal is not to be only sound of body but really sound of heart sound of soul right that 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 jesus saves souls Right, and that this body is connected to our soul, and, and granted, we feel pain, and, and the Lord blessed us by taking on flesh, right? And so, when a little girl like that sees the the wisdom, the profound wisdom that she would have, that even where her mother would be her caregiver, yes. and yet this little girl was giving care to her mother in the same, her prayers were being heard. And sometimes it is the caregiver, yeah, who really needs the healing. The person who has the illness or the uh, or the disability or is just frail from old age it can be a real burden to a caregiver. And then all of a sudden you find that sometimes the caregiver just needs to unload mm. or sometimes the caregiver who comes along, the companion, has no idea of how, um, how much of a problem 
the person that they are with is going yeah. through. And now they come to realize. And, Robert, haven't you seen where some of the malads that we meet on, on these kinds of pilgrimages, yeah. are? They're just, they're just joy-filled, even though theoretically they'd have every reason to be either angry at God or angry at the world or angry at whatever, but they just seem to be this light unto the world. Absolutely. And just shining faces of happiness mm. from children that are you know, wheelchair-bound, that can barely speak and barely move. Uh, there was one just wonderful young man today that was a teenager that had suffered a very serious injury, could barely speak, was wheelchair-bound. And, you know, with him to come up and to say to get, uh, and we were having a, our little meeting where we were mm-hmm. all together, he just thanked God and to give God the praise. And, you know, when we see people that are struggling, struggling with crosses much bigger then, you know, we we get into our own little problems, how we're mm-hmm. going to, uh, you know, pay for that mortgage or whatever, you know. But thank God for what we have. And um, it, it's really refreshing. And, you know, Deacon Jeff, the other thing that's so amazing here is to see healings where people... Um, you know, of, of emotional healings. Uh, Fra Tom, do you remember those um, soldiers that we brought from Walter Reed that had, had, the, you know, had been disfigured from IUDs and they're coming and their faces disfigured from a bomb? And one of the most greatest healings I saw was a young man that had been disfigured a couple years ago. Yes. And after hours, the younger volunteers do a little bit of socializing. And some, a beautiful daughter of one of our members who was about 20, 21, asked this soldier who was so despondent had been to come out and go, go dancing with them. And just for a, you know, that young woman to go and to, to say, come on, be part of us. He opened up from this person that was so dejected and angry and, you know, life is not worth living to just warm up and see he's a person and That's somebody so beautiful. else. It was wonderful. That's and so you know, wonderful. Yeah. Robert, you spoke about um, how we see the cheerfulness in the in the Malads, but we also hear comments from the Malads and their companions where they say that we are cheerful. And I know that there are many times when I am I am beat, yeah. physically beat from all of the running around, and it's like uh, you worry about is this little detail fixed for them, and uh, we're going to a mass, and it's like. Um, well, is his uh, father vested, and is right, he going right, right. to process in? And he's a malad, in other words, and um, so you want to make sure that he's situated, and, and will they remember to anoint him when that time comes? And the overall is that they comment about how cheerful we are. So somehow we must radiate cheerfulness. Well, the joy of the Lord is definitely in this place of Lourdes, France, and so we're excited to be here on Pilgrimage. We're going to take a break and come back and and talk more about what takes place at a pilgrimage. How do you start a pilgrimage and maybe how you conclude a pilgrimage? Before we do that, I want to remind folks at home, we've got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that, we'll be right back. And this is another great moment in church history. On October 7, 1571, the great naval battle of Lepanto was fought between the Ottoman Turks and an alliance of Catholic kingdoms assembled by Pope Pius V. This titanic sea battle, fought for the freedom of Christianity in Europe and the preservation of Western civilization, was entrusted to the patronage of our Blessed Mother through the intercession of Our Lady of Victory. The Ottoman Turks had been trying to dominate the Mediterranean Sea with their navy for many years. They slowly captured small Christian outposts and sold much of the population into slavery. The Ottoman armies were brutal and merciless. 
they sought to exterminate Christianity from all of Europe. After the Turks began the conquest of Cyprus, a small island in the Mediterranean Sea, all Christian Europe became alarmed. Pope Pius V recognized the threat from the Turkish forces and convinced the political rulers of the day to form an alliance that might defend the Christian people of Europe from the threat of the Ottoman Turks. Pius assembled the brave knights of Malta, the Kingdom of Spain, the Venetians, and several other Italian kingdoms into a naval force that was finally able to challenge Turkish naval dominance. The last knight of Christendom, Don Juan of Austria, led the Christian forces. On the day of the great Battle of Lepanto, the Pope implored all of Christian Europe to seek the intercession of Our Lady of Victory through praying the Rosary. As the Christian ships met the Ottoman host on the turbulent seas, Pius V led a rosary procession through St. Peter's Square in Rome. The entire endeavor was given over to the care of the Blessed Virgin Mary. The Pope was given a vision, which assured him that the Christian forces had prevailed. There was a great foreboding that the Christian forces were going to fail against the superior Turkish fleet, But through the Pope's faith and the intercession of Our Lady of Victory, the Christian fleet miraculously carried the day and drove the enemy ships out of Christian waters. The Turkish losses were so great that they were never able to recoup their strength as a mighty naval power. Pius V commemorated the Christian victory at Lepanto through the Blessed Mother's intercession by establishing the Feast of Our Lady of Victory. Pope Paul VI changed the name of the feast to Our Lady of the Rosary. This feast day is celebrated on October the 7th. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this has been another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, the French Catholic Cafe. I'm excited to have Fratam Mulligan here. Still uh, here. I know you're still here, and that's so awesome, as long as the cafe au lait is flowing freely, right? The cappuccinos right. And, the, and the croissant freshly baked every morning. I don't know who does that, but there's some kind of miracle made every time when these little... I don't know why they're better here. Because they don't use preservatives. Well, nope. okay. I was never into the whole organic everything, scene. Everything but is I think fresh I am here. Now. It comes from the countryside, and so everything is grown in the region. I think when you speak a foreign language, you cook better. That's just a general okay. thing I've noticed it myself. It sounds better. Yeah, yeah, it does. And we have Robert Hutton here as well. Uh, and so, you know, Fratam, we have pilgrimage, and a lot of people are like, well, what is it? What is it? What? What? qualifies as an official pilgrimage, right? What, what is it? It's not a tour. Right. It's not a vacation. And we're not visiting as a tourist, which is, it happens so often. We see people come in when we're here or at any um, shrine, and they will come in, they will look, and the, it's kind of like the old, is that all there is? Yeah. <laughs> but when you come on pilgrimage, there is a energy that develops amongst everybody, the workers, the pilgrims, and uh, the Everybody who is involved gives off a certain energy to each other, and a bond or a community sense is built among all of us. That begins to break down all of the barriers, I think. Um, it allows tears to flow, and it allows um, healings to occur. It allows people to speak about things that they weren't comfortable speaking right. about. And, and you know, Fratama, I think also the difference with the pilgrimage is it's a process of prayer. You know, the difference in t- tourists, like we go to St. Peter's and take a bunch of photographs. 
But if you go there to pray, that's different, like for a liturgy. And when I think of pilgrimage, I almost see it as almost. Now, I know it's not a liturgy like the Mass, but it's almost like that if you think about it. It's a process of prayer where we take these people on this journey. We almost kind of vest like a liturgy. We all put on uniforms and capes and things like that. We, we take people, we use water, we use oil for anointings, and we have these different events. And it's, it's sort of like we're leading them through this divine play, as you will, where we take them through these steps to grow and in, 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 on a process with the Lord. And so that's, that's always, Deacon Jeff, how I've seen it. either that or like Simon of Cyrene on a process helping Jesus carry right. the cross. I, I think back when you were mentioning, Fra Tom, about it's not a vacation or it's not a, you know, it's not a tour. I think about that scene, and I don't recommend this movie to everyone, but Vacation with Chevy Chase. Oh, that's not your favorite spiritual movie. <laughs> well, no. I didn't, no, no but, I, but I think about there's a scene where they all go to the Grand Canyon, and, and they're like, uh, rushing about or whatever, and then it's like, but Clark, we haven't seen the Grand Canyon. So he grabs the family, and they stand there, and he kind of like, <sighs> and, that's and then a, they run. You yeah, know? And, 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 and certainly that wasn't even a vacation. That didn't even qualify you know, to meet all those marks. But certainly a pilgrimage, while you can still take your camera because you want to have some memories, you can actually still go to the gift shop. It's okay. Yes. Right? Uh, there's a, that, maybe it's a necessary evil. I don't know. But I've bought some beautiful things in Lourdes and had them blessed, right, by the, all the holy priests and bishops and deacons walking around. And people uh, want to share what they've purchased. Exactly. They're bringing the pilgrimage home. Right. Ab- absolutely. So so that's all. But, but Robert, you're talking about that this is um, – a process, but it's really it's it's just engaged in the right. spirituality of the of the human person. Well, the whole pilgrimage, I think, is a sacramental. Like yes. We talk about in Calvary. It's a sacramental. It's a, a it's something physical that draws us closer to Jesus, that brings us grace, mm. and which could be the sacrament because we um, we have the Eucharist at, uh, at least once a day. Yeah, we go to mass every day. We go to mass there, every day. There are many priests that are there, and they make themselves very available for confessions. Right? We have that sacrament. There's also the anointing of the sick, especially in places like Lourdes. Right. Uh, and there are things that we do. We go to where Our Lady appeared at the grotto. We go to Bernadette's home. We go to, uh, we have an anointing, but we have different things that we do. And there's a process of getting people there. We take them in carts right. to go there. And so for me, it's beautiful because, you know, our life is a process. Everything about our life is, it's, it's a cyclical process. Mm. And for me, a lot of my best prayer time is also this whole facility of taking the Malads to Mass, yeah. being present with them as we go, being beside them as they eat, and they're talking about the, the, the struggles that are going on in their you're, lives. You're walking alongside them in a way where... We're you, accompanying where you, them. Right. We're on a, and they're on a journey, obviously. But, and then when you go on that, you receive, the, you receive benefits as well. I mean, it's just so beautiful. You remember when Cardinal George came with us, mm. and his mission was, first of all, to be a priest. He said... Um, he was, going, he was going to leave all of his administrative and clerical issues of being um, a, a cardinal and running a huge archdiocese, and he wanted to be a priest and be pastoral to the, uh, the Malads. When yeah. he was a Malad, Bali was here as mm-hmm. well. And yet, he, the, the bottom line is that I think Pope Francis was the first to really initiate, not really initiate, I suppose, but uh, he, he emphasized accompaniment. Yeah, and that's so beautiful. And it's something it's a gift that we can give others. And then in that giving of that gift, we also receive. Now, of, but I was going to say one of the big things that, uh, that we do within the Order of Malta when we're doing our ministry is we are careful listeners. Ah. 
We, well, you can always listen. Purposeful listening. Were you, were you engaged with someone? You ever had a conversation for a time where you're talking to them and, the, and then their eyes, they go over there or they're thinking about the thing they're going to say? Yes. And we do that a lot because we're so rushed and we're trying to either impress our friends with all of our language or whatever. And, and we want to do those things, but we don't really listen. We have to I, I did a whole show listen. on listening, Robert, right. that was so – I think it was good because – and I think I did it not so that my listeners, our listeners, would hear it, but so that I would hear it. Right. It's yes. a challenge all of us have. And you're talking about this real, genuine engagement and listening that really is part of the process of accompanying someone. You know, because a lot of people don't listen. They wait for an opportunity to respond. Right, exactly. You think about it. They're not really listening. They want to jump, jump in and say something rather than to listen and feel see where somebody is. So, yeah, just listening to people that are suffering is a tremendous ministry in of itself. And we may not we ever do. get a word in. Yep. And it's it, that's fine. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I know when I do the uh, homebound ministry to bring communion to homes, sometimes I'll be there 45 minutes and all I do is listen for 45 minutes. And I say, now I brought you communion because it just turns out that people need to get things off of their chest. Yeah. yeah and that's beautiful. Now, Tom, when did our pilgrimage start? Because a lot of people think that the pilgrimage begins when you get there. No. Right? It's the whole when, journey. It's, it's part of that journey, exactly. And sometimes it's identifying the Malads and um, those who we think should be coming along yeah. and within the pilgrimage and hope that they process through the medical committee and hope that they're chosen. But I always say that, it, it, especially when coming to Lourdes, it's not the medical committee, although, of course, they're important. Right. It's Mary who decides. Mm. And doesn't that become the gift that we are getting? Amen. As well? But we have to be open to that. And the same thing about a pilgrimage. If you're going to go on a pilgrimage, you don't want to engage in a process if you don't really want to have an outcome. Do you know what I mean? I mean mm-hmm. It's like you go on a pilgrimage. You need to be spiritually disposed to pilgrimage. You need to be vulnerable and open to God's call, to Mary's call, to the Holy Spirit coming into your life and actually changing you. Right? right. And if, we, if we have our mind is made up or closed... If it's uh, it's okay to be a little skeptical, human beings are, but and maybe even a little anxious, like I don't know what's going to happen. But if we're saying this is not going to work, or why am I even doing this? To some degree, you've closed off. You foiled it, yes, right. But if we're open, and that's where all of us can can realize the power of pilgrimage in our life. So we're gonna. We're, this is our first show. We're starting here, and we're getting ready to uh, launch into several more shows that we'll play over the next couple of months. And we're going to take the entire world that listens to the Catholic Cafe on pilgrimage with us. So we look forward to that. Fra Tom, Amen. thank you so much for being here. Um, and Robert, thank you so much thank for being here. We'll hear more from you guys as we as we do several shows from here. Uh, and also, we just want to say thank you to Mary. Let's, let's, let's invite her into this process and launch off our pilgrimage with this, uh, with this prayer that I think most of us know. Hail Mary, Hail Mary full, full of grace, grace the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com, where you can find out more information about The Catholic Cafe, listen online, download mp3s or subscribe to our podcast you can also find us on itunes or follow us on facebook and twitter if you'd like to contact deacon jeff send him an email at deacon jeff at the catholic cafe.com
The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from the Most Reverend Martin D. Holly, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.